We've been busy already this morning, but you're going to have to help me just a little bit more than that. I said good morning, everyone. My name is Jordan Roberts, and I, along with my wife Holly, we have the great privilege and honor of serving here at the Gate Church as members of the pastoral team under our senior pastor, Pastor Kathy Miller. And so I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for joining us today. And thank you for letting us and myself in particular play a part in ministering to you this morning. It's already been said, but I just want to echo it. Thank you so much to our praise and worship team who did such a tremendous job this morning in leading us into the presence. Thank you, team. Now, my intention is to not keep you very long today. I know that we've already had a wonderful day of ministry and that the Lord has been faithful to us, but I do believe that I have a word to share with you today. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I didn't intend to, but the the last few opportunities that I've had to speak, the Lord has been ministering to me out of Genesis and I've been uh, studying myself personally the, the story of Abraham and Sarah. And so I've shared two messages with you out of uh, Genesis concerning that couple. And today we would consider, I personally consider it a part three for this series that I'm working on. And so today we're going to be looking at a very important chapter, a very important and significant piece to Abraham's life. And I believe that the Lord is going to use this to speak to us today. Now we are uh, we're in, we're beginning to end up our most recent sermon series that we have titled "Re," and so today the title of my sermon is "Required." Required. And so if you have your Bibles open to Genesis 22, let's read together. Now we're going to read a few verses. Okay, so take a deep breath. This is not going to be too quick. So just get some air under your wings. I don't know if you know this, but when chickens get hot. They flap their wings, get a little fresh air under there, take a deep breath. It's going to be a good day. Here we go in Genesis chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Look at your neighbor and say, tested. And said to him, Abraham. Abram said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son. Your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He split the wood for the burnt offering. He arose and went towards the place that God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Verse 6 says, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the wood, excuse me, the fire and the wood we have, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. 
So the two of them went on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And the angel said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide as it is to this day. Please bow your heads and let's pray briefly together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you give me the words to communicate. Help me to communicate clearly and accurately and efficiently. Holy Spirit, I put my trust in your abilities and in the power of the Word of God, that it brings truth and life and illumination. And so, Lord, we open our hearts today to your Word. If you're just listening to me today, whether you're here or at home watching us on the Internet, why don't you just say that very quietly with me. Lord, I open my heart to your word. We do this in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen and amen. Now I want to give you a little precursor. The Lord has been so good and so faithful to us already today, and in most cases we'd send you home because the Lord has already been at work. But it's important for us to understand something as the church, that the things of the Spirit, the moving of the Spirit is like a tomato plant. It is alive and it grows. But if a tomato plant is left to lie on the ground, it will spoil and die. How many of you know this? How many of you grew up with grandma or grandpa and they had a big thing of tomato steaks in the garage? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's 10 metal cylinder things that go on the ground. The Word of God are like the steaks that you stake the life of the Spirit to it and it gives it form. It helps it to grow. It helps it to stay healthy and it produces much larger, better fruit for us to eat. And so we've had God, the Spirit, moving in our midst. It's important that we receive the Word of the Lord as well so that we can have more fruit down the road. Does that feel okay? Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, let me say this about Abraham. We've already touched on this last week, but Abraham and his wife Sarah are from the city of Ur. And so we know that God gave them a promise and he asked them to leave. And so they, by faith, they stepped out into the unknown, not knowing exactly what God was going to do or how he was going to do it. All they had was a word and a promise. And I think for us to fully understand the context of what Abraham and Sarah had to go through, we have to understand where they came from. Abraham was 75 years old when he stepped out of the city gates of Ur. And when we study the history and culture of that city, we know this, that they were known and still are to this day that it was a center and the foundation of pagan worship. 
The people who lived in that city worshipped the stars. They worshipped two gods in particular, a god named Sin. Quite literally, S-I-N was his name. And his symbol was the crescent moon. And so in the city of Ur, there was another patron god called Nana. Terrible name for a god. Nana. And Nana's symbol were the, were the horns of a bull, or a fatted bull, a big old strong, beefy Texas longhorn looking thing. Take that for what you will. And so here were some of the beliefs that were at work in the city of Ur. They, they worship these gods, believing that if we worship them, they will bring us fertility. There will always be enough. And the, the god Nana was uh, emphasized or required a first fruits offering. That exact language is written in ancient pagan literature from that era. A first fruits offering. And so they quite literally believed if we give our first fruits, then the gods will bless us. There will be more than enough, and they will constantly be taking us into a better future. There's also the story, we have the historical story, the Epic of Gilgamesh, one of the most ancient stories in human history that is written in that time frame and that era. And it tells a story about a man who goes on a journey and an adventure with a God. Why am I telling you this? Because when Abraham left the city of Ur at 75, he had experience and he had a point of reference for what it looked like for a God to show up and to talk to you and for you to go and do what he said. And along the way, you gave offerings to this God, trusting that he would make a way for you. Have you know that the enemy's ways are cheap copies of God's ways? And so Abraham setting out a new path, realigning the faith practices of mankind and reorienting us toward Jehovah God. And I know this, that Abraham must have experienced the pain and frustration of watching his city comrades, his city mates, his friends and his family constantly giving offerings to these pagan gods and yet these pagan gods give so very little in return. It was not abnormal for people to sacrifice their own children unto the gods, trusting that this God would give them more children, more crops, more prosperity. And can you imagine the pain and disillusionment that would come from putting your child on an altar, watching their lifeblood flow out, and then six and nine months and a year later you have nothing to show for it. What a horrendous, despicable tragedy. But these things were normal in the city of Ur. And so when we get to this point in the story, it's not hard for us to understand why Abraham was so willing to follow this mysterious Jehovah God and to give him offerings. This was another day at the office. And it also explains Abraham's frame of mind when God shows up and says, Get your son that we've waited so long to finally have. Take that son Isaac. We're going up on a mountain. I need you to kill him for me. Now you and I both know that if God showed up to us and told us to take our kids and sacrifice them, we'd say, Get thee behind me, Satan. We'd be looking in the mirror wondering, Am I going insane? And it is insanity, for the record, to look at your child and think, I must sacrifice them. And so how is it that Abraham was so willing to go along with this? He didn't even bat an eye. Okay. 
pack up Isaac and let's go. Because in Abraham's world, in his worldview, it was not uncommon for the gods to charge a high price. And I believe that as we analyze this story, God's going to give us some truth about who he really is. So look at your neighbor and say, part one. Part one is the test. When this passage of Scripture starts out, it clearly tells us that God is testing Abraham. Now, for those of us that grew up in the Western world taking tests at school, we generally have a negative interpretation of what it means to be having or be taking a test. And so most of us, when I say you are being tested, your suspicion flares up, and you immediately, here's what you really begin to think, you begin to think, I'm going to be tricked. Because when we take tests at school, there's a question and multiple answers, and there's a couple of them that are pretty similar, like they're trying to trip us up. And we've done this our whole lives, and so when we say God is testing us, we immediately begin to think, okay, he's going to trip me up here. And if I botch this, then I'm going to fail, and then I have to go and start over. But I come to tell you today that when Jehovah God, God Almighty, when He begins to test you, it's not to trip you up, it's not to trick you, it's not to cause you to fail, it's an opportunity. Now some of you need to hear what I just said because I believe that some of you have been going through the test. God is asking you to step out and do something that may or may not make sense. And you may feel a little bit uneasy about it because I don't know how me doing this is going to give me the reward that I am hoping for. And I want to tell some of you, God is saying, I'm trying to test you. I'm trying to give you an opportunity that if you will simply follow me, I have an amazing reward in store for for you. See, when our enemy tests us, he tricks us through temptation. He's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. There's nothing about the tactics of the enemy that are anywhere grounded or anywhere near the truth. But when God tests us, he always gives us the truth up front. Before God says, Abraham, take Isaac up on the mountain and sacrifice him, there's been dozens of times where God has said, I'm going to give you a son. I've called you out. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm up to something. Through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And so God has been giving Abraham the truth all along. And so all Abraham had to do was load his donkey to start taking the test. Look at your neighbor and say, time to take the test. And so when we begin to understand that when God tests us, He's giving us an opportunity, but something is required from us. Something is required from us. When we take a test. And so the passage says this. uh, Isaac said, uh, hey dad. So I noticed we're going to do an offering. And we got the wood. We got the fire. We got the knife. We got the donkey to help carry it for us. uh, but, But where's the sacrifice? Now I don't know about you. There's a few times I made my mom and daddy so mad. That I thought if they had some rope and a knife, they might sacrifice me out in the front yard in front of everybody. 
And I can't help but, you know, there's a rule that says just because no one says it don't mean you don't feel it. And I can't help but imagine that Isaac's hair on the back of his neck was standing up a little bit and going, I don't know about this. Everybody's looking at me with that, that pitiful look in their eyes like everybody knows something I don't know. So, Dad, where is this sacrifice going to come from? And Abraham says, my son God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Now, many times when this, is, this story is told, we paint Abraham as so full of faith and so steady-handed and his faith being so ironclad as if he never had a doubt. That is baloney. There is no ounce of me believes that as Abraham and Isaac are walking up that mountain, that Abraham doesn't have some little bit of doubt that I'm about to have to kill my own son. And so when we go into those testing moments and we feel the pressure and we're overwhelmed with the questions, then what is God really asking us for? He's asking us for two things that go hand in hand. He's asking us for trust and for obedience. Trust and obedience. And so when Abraham says out of his mouth, my God will provide for himself a sacrifice, what is Abraham doing? He's saying, I'm going to keep obeying and I'm going to trust him that even when I can't see a way, I know that God is going to make one. And I want to tell somebody today that all God is asking for, He's asking for your trust. He's asking for you to obey Him. He's asking for you to step out into the unknown, even when the pressure is hard, even when you see the sadness and worry in Isaac's eyes, even when you're tired from walking up the mountain and you don't know how to go forward and you're asking yourself, what am I going to do when I get to the place that God told me to go? You're so full of questions. All He needs you to do is keep putting one foot in front of the other. Every day that you get up, God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to obey you that I don't know how, but I know that you're going to make a way. And this can be difficult, and so I have a little secret that's going to help you. There's a scripture that says we overcome our enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so I want to tell you something about the power of testifying. And so if you dig out your, your Webster's Dictionary, I have a huge one at home. It's massive. And Holly always laughs at me when I drag that thing out. It's huge. But one of the definitions of the word testify is a declaration that makes manifest. And so here's what the example says in the Webster's. Like talking about one you love. What does that mean? When I start talking about my wife and how she has beautiful blue eyes, and so when we first met, she would look me in the eye when she talked to me, and if, I wanted, if you want to know the truth, I'd forget what she was saying because those eyes were so pretty. And the way they would change color when the light hit them and they'd get real dark, it's like swimming in the Pacific Ocean out near Fiji. You feel that anointing coming up on me? What am I doing? I'm testifying about who she is, and it's making manifest in me a feeling that is real. 
So when you testify about God and you start talking about how He made a way when we left the city of Ur, He kept us in the middle of a famine, He put my marriage back together when I betrayed my wife, and we tried with our slave and we messed that up, and God redeemed it and gave me an extra son I wasn't planning on having. And then after all those years, God caused new life to come out of Sarah's womb. What starts to happen? My trust in God starts to become made manifest. And I want to tell somebody, you need to be intentional about testifying to yourself about who God is, what He's going to do, and what He has been doing. He has been good, and He will continue to do so. So when you want to build trust, when you want to build trust, testify about who God is and what He's been doing in your life. Part three, and if the band will come back up. You guys got a little break there. Part three is truth. Look at your neighbor and say truth. Now remember, Abraham has seen his whole life the the gods, the pagan gods, uh, charging a high and brutal penalty and never really delivering And so Abraham is obedient. And as they're going up the mountain, he lays the firewood on Isaac's back. Now, that's pretty cruel right there. I'm about to sacrifice, and then I'm going to make you tote your own sacrificial wood up the mountain. So they're going up Mount Moriah, which is the the foundational mountain that the city of Jerusalem is built on. Now, that'll preach all day long right there. And so as they're going up Mount Moriah, I've been to the city of Jerusalem and I've seen what the terrain looks like and it can be rocky and dusty and there are a lot of trees and bushes and shrubs and and kind of thorny like Mediterranean uh, terrain as you would imagine. So I can imagine them going up this mountain in their sandals and they're slipping and they're sliding and they're sweating and they're having to you know, muscle their way through the thorn bushes as they're trying to get to this rocky outcropping where the sacrifice will take place. And so Abraham builds the altar as he's done several times before for Jehovah. He binds up his son so he can't get up and run off. And so he lays him on the altar. And then the moment of truth comes where there's nothing left to do except get to the killing. And so Abraham, I can't imagine the inner turmoil in that moment as he raises the knife over his son. And I can just see a patriarchal Abraham, his big old beard, and his arms shaking in those final moments. And as he's about to plunge the knife into his son, what happens? Notice in your Bible, it's capitalized, but it says, the angel of the Lord says, wait, wait. Now, when you read it, it has exclamation marks by the word wait. Why is that? Abraham's about to do it. It wasn't an act. He wasn't raising his arms to go through the motion. I mean, his, his brain is about to send the signals through the neurons in his body to plunge the knife. And so the angel of the Lord has to go, wait, wait. Imagine 
what you would feel in that moment. Could you imagine the relief? I took a step back and said, Lord, I was about to do that. I was going to do it. And the angel says, because I know, now I know, that you won't withhold even your son from me. I have provided my own sacrifice. The scripture says this, that Abraham lifts up his eyes behind him and there's a ram whose horns are stuck in the bushes. Now let me explain this moment for you and what it really is. When Abraham sees that ram, what is he seeing? He is seeing a revelation of who God really is. Remember when I told you part three was truth? The reward that comes at the end of a God-initiated test is not just about, as we have sang today, riches that fade and the praise of men that never satisfies. The reward of a test is that we get the revelation, the truth of who God really is. And so when Abraham turns behind him and he sees the ram that was trapped in the bushes, he sees and has come face to face with Jehovah God declaring to Abraham who Jehovah really is. And Jehovah is saying, you worship these other gods that they would take the lives of your children and give you nothing in return. But let me show you who I am. I am the God that I don't, get, I don't take from you, I give. I don't need your son because I'm going to give you mine. And so just like Isaac was a promised son who with wood on his back had to plow his way up the mountain towards a sacrifice, Jehovah God, 1,200 years later, gave us a promised son who with wood strapped to his back and he had to push his way through thorns that were shoved on his head. And he went to the top of Mount Moriah so that all the universe could see that Jehovah God is a good God and that he never asked something from you that you can't give. And that even when you're about to plunge the knife and give up, he will provide. I came simply to tell somebody this today that God is going to keep His promise to you and that you may be saying, I can't see it and I'm tired and I'm weary and I don't understand why I'm going to have to do this. I'm declaring over you that God will provide because He doesn't take, He gives. Look at your neighbor and say, He gives. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The answer to the test 
is to trust him and to trust in that his perfect sacrifice, his perfect gift to us is his son Jesus. And that no matter what you go through in life, no matter what you are going through, the answer is found in this son Jesus who he was given to us and for us. And all the answers, all the outcome, all of the promise is on his shoulders. And it is in him. So my encouragement to you today is that when you find yourself weary, you call out to the one who didn't fail when he was weary. And when you feel that the price is too much to pay, call out to the one who paid the ultimate price. And when you feel your faithfulness wavering, call out to the one that his faithfulness never wavered. Does that feel okay? Stand on your feet with me. Let's pray together. We've had much ministry already here today. What we're going to do as we close this service, the band is going to worship and we're going to open the altars. If you want to come and, and speak to the Lord, pray with the Lord, worship the Lord, I encourage you, don't let this word miss you. I'm believing that God is going to reveal himself to you in new, mighty, powerful ways that's going to sustain you for the journey. So if you will, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm going to pray over you. And all I need you to do is receive. The Lord is going to minister to your heart. He's going to encourage you with His presence. Lord, I speak a blessing over your people. And Lord, I declare your word over them. That they are chosen and they are called out. And that each person has a promise over their life. And that no matter the circumstances and no matter the testing, you will bring the promise to pass. Not in our own efforts, not in our ingenuity, but God, by your grace, you will bring forth the promise. And Lord, I declare over them that you are revealing your Son to each of us in new ways, in the needed way, that Jesus is enough. Lord, I speak that over this precious and holy congregation. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you make it real and manifest in the hearts, of my, hearts and minds of God's people that Jesus is enough I speak it and I release it in Jesus name Amen and Amen we've had a wonderful day here today and for the sake of time I'm going to dismiss you if you need to go we love you we hope you have a wonderful day we want you to be blessed
But if you're here and you say, I need to lean into this word for God to reveal himself to me, don't miss this moment. And we look forward to seeing you in the altar. On behalf of Pastor Kathy, we love you. Go and be blessed. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? I will Thank you for joining us at the Gate Church today. Uh, we have really had such a time in God's presence. It has been amazing. If you've been here the whole service, you would know that. Um, God really moved in all of our lives. And the word Pastor Jordan shared was so unbelievable. So we just pray that God spoke to you today. He touched your life. He did great things in your heart. Uh, each week that you join us, it's our honor that you're here. And we're excited to have you. I'm going to pray over you today. And then we would love to see you back online next week. Father, we thank you for all those that have joined us today, all those that have spent their time worshiping you with us, leaning into the Word of God with us. We pray blessing over their life, over their family, over everything they do. We thank you that their lives are going to exceed on every level. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we hope to see you back next week.